Hello and welcome to the Process Automation Podcast from ABB, the podcast that shines a light on how automation, electrification and digital technologies through their role in industry are contributing to life the way we know it and are enabling society to become more efficient and sustainable to make a world of difference. I'm Fran Scott, and I'm a maker, science producer, and all-around engineering geek. Now, across the series, we're going to be exploring the often unseen magic of technologies that enable our everyday lives. You turn on the tap, you get clean water, you flick a switch, you have reliable electricity. But behind all of these essentials that we often take for granted, there are networks of technology and people seamlessly working in the background, orchestrating industries to run smoothly. And that is process automation. And it's all becoming even more efficient as we're in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. We have digitalization, we have connected networks, which means that industrial processes can be monitored, controlled and optimized in ways that they never could before. And it's an exciting time. So we're going to be looking into the difference automation of processes can make to industries, society and our everyday lives. Joining me today is the president of ABB Process Automation Business, Peter Tervish. Peter, thank you so much for joining me. Real pleasure, Fran. Look forward to our conversation. Me too. I look forward to getting into your brain. Um, But before we delve into the work your team are doing, I want to ask you about process automation itself. Now, Most people, they know what automation is and we can sort of have a picture of ourselves of a robot undertaking a task that a human would have normally done. But what do we mean when we say process automation? When we talk about automation, we see discrete automation, which is what the robot does. Or if a car comes off an assembly line and you have a countable number of things coming out, uh, that's what we call discrete automation. But when it's a continuous flow, a flow of material, for instance, a flow of chemicals that you're producing uh, when you're providing the tap water, as an example. So it's not countable, but it's produced in in a process characterized by pressure, temperature, flow, level, those kind of things. Then we talk about process automation when we're automating that. I, <laughs> in that one sentence, my mind is blown because... Of course, there are systems and processes behind getting clean water out of our taps. Of course, there are. But a lot of us sort of don't think about these, the processes that go behind the scenes to make our everyday happen. And in a way, I suppose we can take it for granted, just like I was like, of course, we need processes behind clean water. But it's something that I turn on a tap and I expect to have clean water, just like I plug in my laptop and I expect there to be electricity there. So what you're saying is automation and specifically process automation has a role in all of this. And I suppose, can you expand on what that role is? When you look at some of these infrastructures that uh, we just touched upon, so power, water, data, but also the supply of all the materials that uh, make up the goods we use and, and consume every day, then these are some of the largest systems in the world. 
And they're also among the more complex ones. And our job is that you can take it for granted that these just work, that you can plug in your laptop, that you can go to the tap and get some water. Um, so keeping these running every day of the year, 24 hours, was really an absolute minimum of interruptions and glitches. That's what process automation does. So it's kind of the magic in the background. Most of the people listening to this podcast, I can imagine they're listening on their mobile devices. So let's take a mobile phone as an example. Where does process automation come in in bringing mobile phones to us and the workings of them? While mobile phones are clearly uh, a discrete product, you can count the number of mobile phones, process automation still comes in in many ways. It starts with the material for the phones, the aluminum, the copper, the lithium. So there's mining, minerals, processes behind this. And, and clearly those processes need to be automated in order to run uh, both efficiently as well as uh, safely. And of course, responsibly, um, if you think of those mines, electrifying the mines gives you less emissions, gives you an opportunity to replace diesel by renewable electricity. Once phones are manufactured and also the raw materials that are needed to make them, there's a lot of transport involved and especially the transport by ship. Uh, we're very much involved in that. We're helping ships, for instance, with our digital solutions uh, to avoid stormy seas, to really optimize their routes in order to save fuel um, and make sure those containers stay on board and safely and, and more sustainably reach their destination, which is a port where containers are offloaded with automated, increasingly unmanned uh, cranes. And there's the packaging dimension for the phone where you automate the production of the pulp, of the cardboard uh, that forms the carton at the end of the day. There's the internet then that we use on our phones, uh, which is of course supported by, for instance, also the submarine cables that form the backbone of the communication system, which is laid by ships, powered by our technologies, the propulsion system, the onboard power system. And, and then, of course, batteries are super important. I, I notice that a bit too often personally, but batteries are important and supporting the production of safe, reliable and affordable batteries uh, for the mobile phones and electrifying and digitalizing uh, those operations is also something we do. There will be so much more to mention, but I'll pause here. That is a lot of industries. There's just so much going on behind the scenes. So I was just thinking, so with that mobile phone, right, we've looked at a very concrete example that we can all relate to. But what about other conveniences that we come to depend on? Like, I would say, maybe clean water from our tap. Is process automation also playing a role in that? Yeah, absolutely. If we stay on that water example, um, managing the just the right level of pressure in your water network is important. So you want to be sure that that house up on the hill also gets a decent water pressure out of their tap. You want to be sure not to have too much pressure because then you get far more leakages and losses in the water system. You want to make sure that, for instance, the contamination of the water with chemicals, with bacteria is not there so we can safely consume it. You And you want to be sure that also uh, your wastewater system is actually also working properly. So all of that has a lot of automation wrapped around it. 
as long as it works, people are typically not taking notice of it. And it's our job to make it that way. And that's a really good point. As long as it works, people don't notice it. When It's one of those roles where if, if things go wrong, people will notice it. So if people don't know that you're doing your job, then basically you're doing a good job. Uh, that's how I look at it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you captured that well. How frustrating, though, that we don't appreciate it when it works. No, it's not. I think there's so much to do. If you look, for instance, the, the industries that we're serving, the, the process kind of industries, they are some of the more material intensive energy intensive industries on the planet. Many of these industries are looking at how do we go through our own sustainability transition so we can go uh, and make our contribution to reaching the goals of the, the Paris Accord. Really, it's a basic fact that the greenest energy is the energy that you don't consume. And what that does to our customers is, first and foremost, it helps them financially because they don't have to pay for energy uh, to the same extent if they use less of it. But the other thing is also for the systems behind, you can build them smaller. You don't have to scale them up to the same level. And typically, those kind of investment cases make energy efficiency something that is worth it financially and is worth it for the environment. So it's, it's really something that makes a lot of sense. And we're all proud at ABB to produce our contributions to energy efficiency. A lot of these industries, they've run some of the most complex operations that I, I can think of. Right? Take, for example, like a chemical plant. So what does process automation actually do in such a facility? Like what is its role? If you take a chemical process or any of the other uh, processes we're serving, you always have production that is going on where you can basically run this production more effectively and more safely if you measure in the first place what's going on there. So you want to know the pressure, temperature, flow, level, chemical reactions that are going on inside all your steel reactors and, and, and pipes. So you measure in the first place. Then you use mathematical algorithms and programs to analyze what's going on and, and then come to close the loop in, in terms of control. So you find in order to keep this temperature in the range where I get the selectivity of my chemical reaction, as an example, say making vaccines, in order to keep it there, this is what I need to do on the cooling water flow of that particular reactor. And then you basically go and implement that back. So in the, in the real world by uh, manipulating a valve, opening it a bit more or closing it a bit more, depending on what the situation is. So you have uh, the, the real world, which is the chemical process, and you have the digital world where your measurement takes you from the, the physical and chemical world into the digital space. Then you do your processing there and you go back then from the control that goes to the valve, you go back into the physical and, and chemical world from the digital world. So this is uh, inherently a hybrid and, and we're living in those two worlds, the process as well as the automation and digital space. And that valve would be controlled electronically, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be sort of gene going off and like turning a little valve. <laughs> No, uh, look, uh, I, I mean, that's the good thing about the series of industrial revolutions the world has experienced. In, in the first place, I mean, it, it was people 
perhaps holding their hand on uh, kind of the outside of a steel vessel and thinking, oh, now it's getting a little hot. It needs a bit more and, and people would turn this valve. But the sort of processes that you can manage in a totally human operator controlled way, they're pretty small. So these things don't scale well. And they're also not so reliable depending on uh, how your operator feels on any given day or at any uh, time of day. Scaling this and making it safer and more reliable is done with automation so that you close not only one control loop, which is the temperature in the reactor, but you basically control many more variables. And if you picture a chemical plant with all the different reactors and columns and pipes and compressors and pumps, there's a lot of interconnected equipment and that scale of the process is important for it being an efficient process also. And, and this efficiency is enabled by automation. That makes total sense. And just when you were speaking then, I was thinking of like, it's not too far from a human body. So let's say uh, we couldn't measure our temperature and we get hot and therefore we sweat to cool us down because of the water evaporation. Maybe we didn't know when, why we sweated, or but now that we can actually measure body temperature, we can go, oh, okay, because I'm hot, I can put in other mitigations to make sure I don't sweat. And yet when we think about a factory, for some reason you just think, oh, and it just works. And all this process automation that goes on behind the scenes is has to be thought about and meticulously implemented to get the maximum efficiency. It's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I think the, the nerve system analogy works very well. And we have uh, a few areas where we're just subconsciously regulating. And, and you may, for instance, just at the outside of that reactor, have a little controller that measures a few quantities and, and keeps them in proper balance. And at the same time, we also have some things where we very consciously decide in our brain what to do. And, and those would be some of the higher layers of control where we look at, say, the wider efficiency of the process. And clearly the automation is very deeply embedded in the production process. So uh, you design these production processes to last for decades and you design the automation along with that to enable the productivity and the safety and the sustainability of these processes. So uh, you get an interesting tension out of that also in the sense that the production process you're building, all the steelworks as an example, that's meant to last a long, long time. Whereas with the automation, you always want to be able to tap into the latest technology developments. That is one of the interesting challenges we're navigating together with our customers to take maximum advantage of the latest technologies to keep those processes also cyber secure, while at the same time being a key part of the production process with the automation we deliver. Absolutely. And just when you were talking, not I suppose not not just with the intermittent supply, but with all industries having to lower their energy consumption because it's the need of the planet, that's where it could come into its own as well in terms of not just when when the supply is intermittent, but actually just lowering energy consumption 
overall. Yes, and lowering energy consumption is definitely one important lever. And, and we talked about the greenest energy being the energy that you don't consume. But then also beyond lowering consumption, opening your demand for renewable sources of energy, which very often means renewable electricity. So supporting industries in their shift away from fossil fuels, from burning diesel, uh, burning gas in, in constellations where you could substitute that with renewable electricity. So electricity is, is very often really part of the pathway for industries to decarbonize and become more sustainable. So it's both. It's reduced demand as well as change your process to accommodate for uh, renewable electricity over time. I suppose you would call this maybe an energy transition across to the renewables. And it's not just a case you can't just plug them into the supply and then work in the same way. But is this a revolution or an evolution? From my perspective, it's clearly both. It's an evolution when you look at uh, consuming less energy. At the same time, the revolution lies in paving the path for renewables at scale. So it's a big challenge, but you can do it with the technologies that are there. Uh, there's a lot of technologies that look promising today, but are not ready for prime time yet. So in parallel to deploying the technologies that are, you need to keep developing the technologies that are not quite there yet. And I suppose that's exciting because a lot of people are like, cool, once we get to 2030, then we can take our foot off the pedal. But it's that is not the case, is it? We need to keep on going with this. It's not just a one-stop solution. It's a, it's a continual process of solutions. It, it surely is. And, and in this process, the way we produce, the way we provide energy, the way the infrastructures are looking like, especially on the energy side, of course, all of those are changing. And it's, it's not necessarily that everything will be decentralized that maybe was more centralized before. But I think it's, it's about, in a smart way, combining the different ingredients of decentralization and centralization of efficient long-distance transport, for instance, also of electricity with local generation. I'm a firm believer that we will need a whole bunch of technologies and need to continue as society uh, developing in parallel many of the options because not everything will perfectly work, not everything will scale in the way we intended today. So we need the optionality to get there. And when you say decentralization, do you mean in terms of power supply? So it's creating those microgrids of renewable energy sources that can then feed into local networks. Yes, uh, that, that is what I was thinking of. I mean, you basically have two schools of thought how you could solve the problem of using renewable energy and, and changing our energy mix in a major way. And one is you just generate locally based on photovoltaics, maybe based on, on local uh, wind power availability. And the other is uh, you go to where the best production conditions would exist, maybe the Sahara Desert for sunshine, as an example, or some of the offshore in, in parts where it's really windy uh, to collect under the best possible production environments for wind power and then bring it from those best possible ones with transmission. And, and I'm a firm believer that we need to combine those options. It won't go all decentralized. It won't go all centralized, but it's about mixing and matching the advantages 
where they best contribute. And of course, there's this digitalization, which is a big part of process automation. Does this have a link to sustainability? From what I'm hearing, the answer is yes. But in what way? Yeah, you uh, guessed it correctly. And uh, look, we asked actually a large group of people, more than 700 uh, decision makers in all sorts of industries, exactly on this question of what's the relation between digitalization and sustainability. And fully 96% came back saying that digitalization is essential to sustainability. In other words, the industrial internet of things and, and digitalization enabling better decisions, especially in the energy and resource intensive industries, makes major contributions to sustainability. So if, if you ask why are we where we are and why didn't we get further with sustainability in the past and what is different now that gives you the confidence that we can make progress, it's definitely the development, the availability of technologies that we didn't have a decade ago. So I'm not naturally an optimist. I guess I'm a realist, but I'm a scientist and engineer. I'm fascinated by the new tools in the toolbox that digitalization is giving us to tackle some of the new challenges that we definitely have to tackle as companies, but also as society. And I suppose with sustainability, sustainability isn't just reducing energy consumption, it's using fewer materials, using materials which are better to use according to the planet. And it contributes in that way as well. Digitalization helps us both with better automatic decisions, systems taking decisions in a closed loop control kind of way, but also better human decisions around energy and resource efficiency. Some of the quote unquote decisions are just kind of con closed loop control decisions. Uh, like we talked earlier, you, you basically reduce your power consumption in a moment when there's less power available within a few milliseconds, and, and that is faster than human beings can typically decide. But then there's also more longer wavelengths kind of decisions with complexities, with uncertainties that are better decided by humans. But underneath all of that, the ability to gather more data, to declutter and contextualize that data, use it better, transform it into insights, and, and then from those insights, take decisions, actions and produce better outcomes. That helps the energy and that helps the resource efficiency, definitely. And this is only possible or starting to become possible in the way that it is because of these new technologies. So, Peter, what excites you most about what automation is doing on that sort of human kind scale? Look, I'm fascinated by some of the industries we're serving that are so simple at the user interface. If you flip a switch, if you open a tab, those are fairly intuitive actions. And at the same time, it takes very large, complex, interconnected systems in the background to actually work that way for you so that you know when I flip the switch, my light will go on. Uh, when I open my tap, I will get water and rely on that. I, I think enabling the simplicity for the user that doesn't have to understand all the complexities of what is enabling it to run in an efficient, 
in an increasingly sustainable, in a safe and productive way. That is something that fascinates me, especially since technology keeps us on a journey there. You, you can never say, I know everything about automation, but rather I know everything until yesterday. And now I'm thinking about what tomorrow will look like uh, and what I need to understand until then. So electrification, automation, digitalization, offer immense opportunities, but they also offer fantastic workgrounds for scientists, for engineers to keep pushing the boundaries. It's not always only the large and, and complex. If, for instance, on the way to work, I would have got a cup of coffee and there would be a, a paper cup, say, uh, for recyclability, then, yeah, my natural assumption is the coffee will stay in the cup and it won't just fall apart. But that is only true if that paper cup is basically made with the right fibers and produced under the right quality control and process uh, that is well taken care of. Otherwise, my, my coffee would be all over my clothes and I wouldn't have the coffee I would need in the morning. So uh, even in, in these simple or apparently simple walks of life, there is very often a contribution process automation is making. That's just got me thinking about all the tasks that I do throughout the day because yes someone's had to well design the cup that you know there's had to be a chemical engineer to know what the material is that the cup's made of but of course the process of actually making the cup making the pulp that goes in to make the cup and make it in such a way that is cheap enough and efficient enough and accurate enough that not only is it produced in the right way but it's produced cheap enough that it means that my coffee is not extortionately expensive that comes down to a process automation so if it's involved in making a coffee cup I suppose what else is it involved in and how different would my life be or, your, or everyone's life be if this process automation those distributed control systems that you talked about how different would our life be if those weren't around I think it would be very different and it's, it's something I would find hard to imagine because I guess during most of my lifetime, distributed control systems have already existed. So in some sense, uh, if I look professionally, we have been standing on the shoulders of giants. But if we rewind the clock to somewhere around the time of the second industrial revolution, where electricity came into the play, but where large interconnected systems didn't actually exist. Then if you look at the standard of living in those days, I think anything from infant mortality, life expectancy, standards of living, none of that would be the same. And so many of the conveniences we're taking for granted in our daily lives would just not be there. No process automation isn't the only enabler behind all of this, but it is one of the key enablers in the background of so many facets of this. And yeah, it's a fascinating thought. Clearly, there's a major contribution and, and a major change and we're not done. I mean, technology keeps changing and uh, we have to think about how we shape these uh, technologies to have a, a desirable outcome in the future. So in terms of that future, and of course talking about automation, what would you want to see more of and what would you want to see less of? 
clearly one of the roles automation has is to keep people out of harm's way in terms of not having a need for people to perform dirty, dull, or dangerous work and enabling a better quality of life. In, in that context, by the way, there is a positive correlation between the use of automation and standards of living in a country, including actually also lower unemployment rates when there's more automation. You could, in the first place, think uh, that if there's more automation, it's taking the jobs away from people. No, I think it's generating the freedom to move on and concentrate on other things that are supporting our standard of living, like inventing a new vaccine or actually recording a podcast. <laughs> and it goes back to when the very first factories came into existence and and they thought that, oh, they will take our jobs. But actually, making things automated has been shown again and again to actually lead to more jobs. Definitely, that's been our experience. And uh, not only to more jobs, but to better jobs and to an improving environmental performance, which is, of course, especially important in these days and not just the local environmental performance, but also the impact on the global environment. And it's that impact, I think, that I'd like to look at with our closing question to you, Peter. So over this series, which I am so excited to be making, what we're going to be doing is we're going to look at how process automation, how it's uh, transforming the different industries like across the globe, from, from mining to shipping and in loads of other industries. So if you were to sum up, what kind of a mission are you on in your business specifically? At AVB, we recently had a discussion where we uh, discussed with our employees, our management, external stakeholders, what's actually the purpose of the company. And I think that purpose is indeed our mission. It is about addressing the world's energy challenges in terms of solving those problems, but also uh, having a business in solving these problems. It is about transforming industries like we discussed, uh, enabling industries that need reliability in their production and supporting them in bringing in intermittent renewables, as an example. It is about embedding sustainability in the way we work and live. It's about creating success and all of that leading the way with technology. I, th I think those different aspects of our purpose are absolutely what makes me tick. And not only myself, but really our company and, and our teams in the different functions, anyone from the research and development role to the salespeople, the commissioning engineers, the service people. This really holds it together. This is the purpose that gives our work meaning. Yeah, so in a way you're leading the way with technology to make a whole world of difference. That captures it well, indeed. <laughs> Peter, it has been an absolute delight to speak to you. Thank you, Fran. I really enjoyed the conversation from my side also. As a fan of technology, this has actually blown my mind. This orchestrated magic that goes on behind the scenes to enable us to live our lives the, the way that we do. And I, for one, am absolutely fascinated. A massive thank you to my guest, Peter Turvish. I'm Fran Scott, and the Process Automation Podcast is a fresh air production for ABB. 
Follow and subscribe now for free wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.